Blog Talk Radio. to raise the question, what is it that we're going to do independent of white people? It is very, very hard for us to envision a world without white people. But we cannot create our own agenda until and unless we can define an agenda that can envision a world in which they don't exist. Now we have to wake up and come back to the reality of them. But certainly when we talk about a future, we have to talk about a future from our point of view and our historical understanding of reality. All right. Module, everyone. Um, we just got finished with two good hours <laughs> on the expanded show. And believe it or not, there still was some stuff that I still wanted to get out and to just try it out, see how it will work, come back over to the old stomping grounds, um, and, and and do the overtime over here. Um, we'll see how that works. If it doesn't work, then we'll just, we'll know. Not to do it that way anymore. Um, so, yeah, what will what, what, probably happen is um, the majority of the shows will be done over on Heru Kai Nu, and I think he said he's going to change the name to Black Power Network. Uh, because I get two hours and maybe even two hours and a half over there, and then and that's where I'll be when I want to do the um, long talks when I've done some research other stuff like that. Uh, the only times I will forego the two hour format and 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 specifically use this. Uh, 45-minute format will be um, if I was busy and didn't get time to do all the research or if I'm just doing um, a more, you know, straight-off-the-head type of discussion or or, or something pissed me off and I'm ranting or <laughs> somebody did something good and I'm ranting in the positive, something like that. That's when we'll go ahead and, and, and use this 45-minute um, format for the most part, but definitely check out both of them just to make sure, you know, when I'm on and which one I'm on and stuff like that. Uh, cross-pollinate the audiences, if, if if we will. So, yeah, so we left off with, on the other side, with Marable trying to make Malcolm into a humanist. Basically, and and I played a clip his own word, Malcolm's own words, Baba Omawali's own words. After he came back from Mecca, January seventh, nineteen sixty-five, after the postcards, after you know, after all of that, he basically said, "It would be stupid for you to think that I would change when the conditions that made me the way I am haven't changed." You got the wrong man. He's a Muslim. He believes in the brotherhood of all men, but his religion doesn't make him a fool.
sanitized by Muhammad for the mainstream Caucasoid audience, I am going to do everything in my power to make sure that that shit doesn't happen the way they're trying to do it with um, the way they've done it with King, the way they're trying to do it with Malcolm. Um, and again, for anyone that's just tuning in and they're going to get the archives, this is the continuation of the two-hour discussion that we had on um, Blog Talk Radio, Heru Ka Anu. Um, <clears throat> I have an expanded format of two hours over there, and so that's where we first started that dis- this discussion. So if you're going back through the archives, you want to type in Heru Ka Anu, and then you'll see Africa's Reascension with me, Kamal McCasey Dahoudi, and then you'll get the beginnings of the conversation. I know it seems like you're jumping into a conversation that's already been had, um, and and sort of it had been. Um, And we probably wouldn't have needed this extra time if I hadn't got distracted by some um, Arabic crap. I always try to... Well, the most scathing... The most acerbic, I like that word, um, review that has come out on the Mirable Book has bar none been by Carl Evans, um, author of The Judas Factor, The Plot to Kill Malcolm X. And I first got wind of him in in these reviews, again, on VoxUnion.com. And um, Richard Prince had did an interview with him, and Evans' first take on the Mirable book was he called it a, he called it a fraud, um, a fraud and a failure. Let me use it correctly. And so then he had told everybody that he had a longer review that he was going to submit to the Root. Dot com online, you know, news organization, which is owned by the Washington Post, which is overseen by Oompa Loompa Skip Gates. So when they, so Carl Evans put the review together, and the introductory line read, Malcolm X, A Life of Reinvention is an Abomination. It is a derivative cavalcade of innuendo, logical fallacy, and prevarifications. The Root rejected his article. The Root, which is overseen by Skip Oompa Gates, which is owned by the Washington Post and subsidiaries notwithstanding, they decided to axe his article. Now, you know, in the days of the Internet, you know, axing someone's article, not getting it into a particular publication, don't mean dwiggly hunk. And I just made that word up because you could just find a blog, post it up, tell somebody about it, boom, and get all the views. So we do still have the um, article that he laid out. And now I went to some length about the homosexual piece in the last, over in the last segment. And so 
I want to now read what Evans had to say about it. It is merely the logical culmination of a life spent in an ivory tower writing books of scant interest beyond the tower walls. If the so-called public intellectuals praising the book were a member of those true friends, they might have at least apprised him of the hostile tone and lack of vetting on key allegations, the central one being Malcolm X's alleged homosexual affair. The media ran with this allegation without checking its validity. Malcolm X Marable claims falsely attributed his own sexual encounters with an older white man to a friend named Rudy. Based on circumstantial but strong evidence, Malcolm was probably describing his own homosexual encounter with Paul Lennon. The revelations of his involvement with Lennon produced much speculation about Malcolm's sexual orientation. All of that comes from page 66 of the book. Evans then says, speculation by who? Marable, that's who. There are four footnotes for this page, but none substantiate the scurrilous assertion, one that would be grounds for libel if either party was alive. The claim is juxtaposed by dozens of pages relating to Malcolm's maturation and to selling drugs, pimping, including white women, burglary, and other crimes. If you look at the mugshot, the first is a phallic, the first in a phallic 16-page photo section, you'll see a face of a thug you don't want to tangle with. Moreover, this is key and critical, and I mentioned this <laughs> over, over in the expanded version. Moreover, there is nothing in Malcolm X's far superior work to suggest that there was any touching of genitalia, let alone oral or anal sodomy. In fact, Malcolm X's autobiography clearly shows in the chapter titled Caught how amusing he found the strange things that made white Johns reach orgasm. One man, he wrote, ejaculated by sitting outside a bedroom door listening to a black couple making whoopee. Nor does Marable offer proof that the employer was homosexual, bisexual, or asexual. The only logical conclusion from the facts is that the man had unusual recreational habits. Marable offers no proof that the man didn't pay women to pour powder on her from time to time, for example, or that anyone employed by the man was homosexual. The, 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 the proffer is a one ad for a male secretary. The ad ran twice over a three-day period in one newspaper on one occasion. So, again, like I said over on on, on Heru Kainu um, in the two-hour jump, that's something that if you don't bring it up, you need page after page of the person you talk to, what they saw, where they got it from, what you got it from, all of that. And there's nothing. One page. And then you just, by using the phrase with circumstantial but strong evidence, then you go on and make this claim that, that Malcolm was homosexual. And then continue to come back and keep it in the reader's mind throughout the book. You never substantiated the claim properly. 
So shut the hell up about it. And unfortunately, folks who might not be as critical <laughs> readers as some of us other folks are will take that and run with it and 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 do stupid stuff with it. And so, you know, Evans, he he goes through, I mean, you really have to hear Carl Evans on VoxUnion.com. And like I said, he just interviewed him and got his, you know, verbal take on it. These are just the uh, review words that he published and wrote down. But he walks through and he talks about how he has, it seems like Marable has nothing good to say about anybody. He talks about how, you know, Earl Little didn't get a legal divorce and just abandoned his young wife and kids and then moved somewhere else and that's where he had the child, how um, he called Ella a paranoid, delusional person. He, <laughs> he, 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 belligerent, paranoid, and reckless. Um, in the preface, I'm reading again from the Evans piece, which is called Paper Tiger, by the way. Go go check it out. In the preface, Marable boasts that his book will re-quote, reconstruct the full contours of his remarkable life, unquote, and proceeds to contrive the most mean-spirited biography of Malcolm X in two decades. The footnotes reflect heavy reliance upon people who were known enemies of Malcolm. An early biographer used anonymous sources for some of his controversial claims, which was bad. Marable gives no source for some of these tabloid-type allegations, which is a million times worse. And and I would agree <laughs> that, that that gay piece is he he brings up he brings up supposedly that um, he brings up issue with that Malcolm X supposedly had an affair um, with a woman he, he he brings issue with that Betty supposedly was supposed to have stepped outside of her marriage he even calls into question. The one document that I, I I've seen this a couple of years ago that a document that the FBI that's within the FBI files that alleged that Malcolm had wrote, written to Elijah talking about you know his his um, marriage and sexual issues with Betty and you know even Evans calls that into question and so. For me on that issue, I'm like, we we have to have some type of way to be able to acknowledge, okay, this was a made-up document by the FBI, and this is a real document that they released. Uh, and studying the Panthers and their clash with um, the US organizations and stuff, excuse me, and some of their documents, and some of the books they've done, they were they had published, you know, they had scanned in and they would put in one of the fake letters that the FBI had sent, you know, and then they talk about how, you know, it was fake because of this spelling error or because of this or because of that. And so if Evans, you know, is really going to get into questioning FBI documents 
then we need some type of standard on how to go about doing it uh, because we don't want to get into the, the, the piecemeal picking of, okay, I read this, I don't like what it says, so this must have been a forged document. I'm going to read this, I like what it says, so I'm going to use this. We, we don't want to do that. And so when I first read it, you know, I was like, wow, that, that sucks. <laughs> um, it, it's a shame that, that, you know, it's a shame that the FBI got this on file and had this deeply, deeply personal letter that, that, that Malcolm may have written to Elijah about his lack of sexual um, pleasure in the bedroom with Betty. Um, you know, so I, I, me and, and one other reviewer, you know, we sort of took that as a real letter. And so if Evans has some real good, you know, reasons as to why he he doesn't see that as a good letter, then, you know, I'd like to hear it. But outside of that, and then also in the Evans piece, he, you know, he gets on Maribel as far as um, there was some spelling errors in there as far as um, Leonard X versus, This is still coming from the um, Paper Tiger Evans piece. Poor exposition and inexcusable typographical errors taint the book. When I communicated with Marable last June regarding a statement obtained from Linward, L-I-N-W-A-R-D-X cap card, by the New York police after the assassination, his reply referred to Linwood cop card. I advised him of this misspelling and cautioned him to check his manuscript for the mistake. One of his assistants replied under his name and told me that Marable dictated his responses to her to for her to relay. She blamed herself for misspelling the name and assured me that the book had the proper spelling. There are two references to Kafkar's full name in the book, and both times the name is spelled Linwood, page 5 and 452 it's also misspelled in the index that again I I mean that's you know don't be some typographical errors in the book no, I, I, I can sort of give you a pass on that I don't see that as, as a huge huge thing yeah, it is on page five. Yeah, Linwood X Kafka. Um, but the major stuff that I see, like one thing that I haven't heard any of the reviewers talk about, is Marable's need to like when you're doing a biography, you have to present context to help give background of the person that you're talking about. And so Marable, by him being a socialist, out of his mouth, I ain't calling him no names, he is a democratic socialist, a socialist democrat, or was, you know, ancestor now. But so he wants to bring a socialist democracy to black Americans and to America. That's what he wants to do. And so that comes out in the book where I'm at right now. There's so much talk about, um, the, the workers' strikes and union meetings and, 
and and this thing and that thing, and he, he uses it in the context to say that this is what helped shape the early Malcolm. And I'm like, on the periphery, that might be true, but as far as specifically day-to-day things and what was going on um, with, I mean, he mentions Garvey, opens his up, you know, up your mighty race. He's got a chapter dealing with Garvey. But it's dealing with Garvey in the context of Earl and Clara. But you would still you still have some remnants of the thought and other stuff, you know, even when Malcolm was born and even when he got older and, and, and it's those type of things that help shape him. Um it's it's hearing, you know, nationalist type speakers get up on the soapboxes on 125th Street in Harlem and say what they had to say. Those things also help shape him. And so only or to put more emphasis on the socialist type of analysis of Malcolm speaks more to Marable than it does Malcolm. And that has been sort of upsetting me as I'm reading this book. And one per- one other person I think it was, again, in the Zach Kondo piece. He basically said that this Marable writing about Malcolm is trying to make Malcolm into Marable in the sense that Marable is trying to make Malcolm out to be this um, interface humanist, don't see color, moving away from black nationalism type of individual. And and everything that I've ever gotten my hands on, Malcolm X lived, when he became Malcolm X, he lived, breathed, and died um, a black nationalist. And, and if you believe that the African spiritual systems can contact ancestors and, and talk to them, and get messages from them. We have messages from Malcolm X, uh, Babo Mawali, that do not substantiate that after Mecca he came back and he was loving white folks and he wanted to work with every everybody who was against oppression. All that sort. And no, 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 <laughs> that's not going to fly. Um, so yeah, so so that's one thing that I have not seen people talk about this this socialist leaning of Marable in the writing of the Malcolm X book, and that's um, highly upsetting. But, yeah, folks should definitely pick up this Paper Tiger, Carl Evans' blistering review of Manny Marable's Malcolm X and um, check out all of it and what it has to say. Another good one, or a few other good ones, um, one of them is called A Layman's Review of Marable's Malcolm X, The Life of, Life of Reinvention. And this was from the rawcottonblog.com. And, you know, you just type in Malcolm X or something, it'll come up. And, you know, he had looked around and he had saw oops, 
so yeah, he had looked at some of the other reviews and read some of the book himself, and you know, he he he, he comes to a conflicted <laughs> conclusion in dealing with this as well. Um, I want to begin this review by saying that there is surely not enough literature devoted to a man who to this day remains an enigmatic icon. Malcolm X, even in death, continues to ignite flames of passionate rhetoric from all sides of the globe due to the extraordinary transformations throughout his life. For anyone to assert that a singular piece is a pivotal literary analysis of his life is to liken Malcolm's existence and legacy to something that, in fact, can actually be totally comprehended. On the contrary, it is because of his multitudinous transformations that one can never completely understand this man, his life, and his legacy. It is possible, however, to better understand him. And the parts of Marable and his team's research that are scholarly give the reader an opportunity to view Malcolm with fresh eyes. Now, I hope you caught the last part of that because he makes mention to say the parts of it that are scholarly give give the readers that hope. Unfortunately, even again another reviewer excuse me sees that a lot of stuff is unsubstantiated and is very highly tabloid ish. Um, in this manner I'm continuing to read from this review. In this manner, and if your view of Malcolm was dictated solely by his autobiography, Marable's piece is a success. The best parts of this book come from places of fact. The research done in the criminal records of Malcolm and known associates, many of whom joined the NOI, trial transcripts, recorded eyewitness accounts, FBI surveillance, and various other primary sources is superb. When you're able to remove yourself from the subjectivity of one of the most passionate autobiographies written, you are able to appreciate and respect the Herculean research efforts of Marable and his team. Gaining unprecedented access to the NOI archives via Farrakhan, the FBI, and the NYPD truly helped underscore Malcolm's nuanced life of reinvention in a way that is objective, even-handed, and ultimately far more accurate than his autobiography could allow. If, however, your understanding of Malcolm was not based solely upon a single, subjective, Healy-crafted literary piece, then this book could leave you with more questions than answers. This is my experience. <laughs> and so Yeah And so now I have to add this in What does this reviewer have to say About the homosexual piece <clears throat> I'm I'm laying this This piece out As much as I can One because it's the one that irks me the most Two it's the one that's going to be talked about The most unfortunately So three we need all different ammo From all different type of directions To throw it down, shut the gay community up that's going to try to hijack them, um, shut other stupid folks up that's going to try to put that above every other thing. So, still coming from the Raw Cotton blog review of Marable's book, 
relatively early on, Marable kind of, kind of drops a bomb that most black academics have heard before the book's release. Malcolm has a gay relationship with a white man. I'm sorry, what? Yeah, I said it. Malcolm X, gay relationship, white man. However, unlike the scholarly parts of research that immediately precede this quote-unquote revelation, this salacious piece of information is corroborated by hearsay from Rodnell Collins, son of Ella Collins, Malcolm's sister, and later on, um, Shorty Jarvis, Malcolm's right-hand man, who harbored tremendous resentment against Malcolm because Malcolm snitched on him. This sounds like gossip to me, not research. And it is here that my disappointment begins. Malcolm's, Malcolm, excuse me, Marable points to the part in Malcolm's autobiography that describes the tale of a quote-unquote friend or fellow hustler named Rudy who engaged in some play with a rich man from Boston. Marable himself admits the evidence that but indicates it is strong as well. Where is the stress in this evidence? Rodnell's insight is not proof of anything. In fact, there is no evidence at all to support the assertion that Malcolm engaged in homosexual encounters, gay for pay, or otherwise. In examining prison visit records, any concrete information about non-family visitors labeled friends in the prisoner's log has been redacted by the Fed, so the air of mystery surrounding who those friends were seems to be sufficient for Marable to pose it that Paul Lennon was this role-playing rich gay white man with an affinity for Malcolm. What is clear is that the fact that Malcolm did work for Lennon as a butler and occasional houseworker and listed him as a former employer while transitioning into prison life. That is all. That is all the evidence we have. No cum-stained blue dress a la Monica Lewinsky, no semen-stained underwear a la Kobe Bryant and as and his later dismissed rape charges, no dazed and confused strippers crying rape a la Duke Lacrosse team. What contributes to my feeling as if this nugget of unsubstantiated information was added for pure tabloid reasons, is the fact that there is no further explanation of the effect Malcolm's alleged homosexuality would have had on his prison life, his prison transformation, eventually his emergence as one of the great, greatest leaders of our time. I think it is logical to assert that closet homosexuality would have done excessive psychological damage to Malcolm such that his ideological development would have been severely stunted. But even if I'm wrong, Marable pays little attention to the effects such a secret would have had on Malcolm overall and instead chooses to superficially and flippantly remind you of the fact that he tipped his, his gossip hand far earlier than he should by referring to these episodes as paid homosexual encounters and at one point outright labeling Malcolm a homosexual lover. And in the earlier part, I laid out those two page numbers where he did that. And then he ends, I cannot touch and agree with you, Professor Marable. I simply cannot. So, again, unsubstantiated, 
he doesn't break it down. He makes an allegation and moves on, and then keeps coming back to it. And as Zach Kondo and Carl Evans and, and, and other folks and Jared Ball says, he probably added all that in in the bedroom, tawdry stuff to sell books. Not out of scholastic rigor, not out of um, really, you know, wanting to air all sides of whatever. Because if that's what you're going to do, you substantiate all your shit. You don't just make a passing claim and then try to cover it up with circumstantial but strong evidence. No, F you. <laughs> Especially you talking about somebody of the magnitude of, of, of Malcolm. You need to lay that out. And 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 from every review that has been honest and that has looked at it, have all said it has not been substantiated. The New York Times article brings it up you know, flouts it out there, doesn't critique it, doesn't criticize it, just puts it out there, just mentions it, and, and, and moves on. <clears throat> and and I think that's a damn shame. Uh, and, and I had the clip on the other show. <laughs> I don't have it here, and I don't know if I can do it now. They probably came on switchboard, but basically... Over on VoxUnion.com, again, V-O-X Union, V as in victory, O-X as in Malcolm, Union, all one word, .com. He, Jared Ball has interviewed Carl Evans, the brother who wrote The Paper Tiger, the blistering review of his book, and who wrote back in the 80s the, uh, the uh, Judas Factor, The Plot to Kill Malcolm X. He also did an interview with Zach Kondo, who in the early 90s did a book, you know, unraveling the mystery, the conspiracy, the assassination of Malcolm X. And so you get to hear their take on this book, um, people who have been involved with this research. And both of them, you know, personally contacted <laughs> um, Maribel Wiley's putting it together. And, and I, I know Evans um, gets a mention in the book, I have to check again and see if he even came across um, Zach Kondo's work. Um, let me check now. Yeah, okay, he does at least mention it. Conspiracies unraveling the assassination of Malcolm X. So he he was familiar with both of these books, but as far as the assassination piece, um. Both of those authors say Marable does not present anything new. Uh, most of the stuff that he did is he's rehashing Kondo and Evans' um, information and just not giving them the proper credit for it. And so it's given the air that it is some new uh, earth-shattering information. Um, now, of course, you know, with the book coming out and allegations being put on someone else, the person who it was put on, well, at least his lawyer representing um, al-Mustafa Shabazz, at that time his name was um, Bradley, I think it was, William, yeah, William, at that time it was William Bradley, um, Marable Allah. <laughs> Um, Kondo and 
seven point the finger at Al Mustafa Shabazz as being the person who was the main assassin of Thamma Mawala. And so at the blog dot nj new jersey dot com and at the root dot com the lawyer representing um William Bradley or Al Mustafa Shabazz says that you know we ain't had nothing to do with it. Um he categorically denies he was involved in the assassination of Malcolm X. That's what his lawyer said. Um, but you know, we'll we'll see how that part plays out if folks will reopen an investigation based on the information. If you know more folks will now pick up Judas Factor, will pick up um unraveling the conspiracies, you know, pick up the Evans book and the Zach Kondo book, um, and move further. So the one thing and I agree with Brother Jared Ball is that Go ahead and get the Mirable book. Also pick up the Zach Kondo book and the um, Carl Evans book. And uh, pick up even the white boy, the Goldman book he did, The Death and Life of Malcolm X. Get all of those books and read them together to get a broad picture of Baba Mawali. Um, this Mirable book is not a definitive book as, you, as he touts it to be and as his um, cheerleaders touted to be um, where I'm at. Now, I can't. I'm, I'm, I personally can't fully comment on it because, like I say, I'm just to the part where Malcolm has gotten out of prison. Um, and so, as I move through it, <laughs> I'm sure I'll have more to say about this book. So we're about to wind down to a close before they cut me off. Um, next week, don't forget blogtalkradio.com slash heyrukaanu at 9 o'clock. That's where I'll be from 9 to 11. And, <laughs> excuse me. Drink some water. And then if we need overtime, spill overtime, we'll come over here for it. But blogtalkradio.com slash heyrukaanu, that is where the expanded Africa's Reascension will be Sundays from 9 to 11. But check here for the archives and check here to see if I have any rant shows or any just smaller shows that are going on. Um, so so we've got at least three hours of Africa's Reascension possibly on Sundays now. 